0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. You should probably put your mask back on when you're indoors. That is the strong recommendation from Chicago health officials. Last Friday, the CDC announced Cook County was medium risk, prompting Chicago's top doctor, Allison Arwady, to put out that mask advisory. But masks aren't mandatory, at least not yet. Today, we are checking in with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Terramina, at Dooley Health and Care to get the latest COVID guidance. Hi, Dr. T. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Sasha. Got to ask you the million dollar question that just keeps on coming back, doctor. (laughs) Should we be masking indoors right now?
1: I think you should be masking indoors, especially if you have underlying health issues and concerns. Um, if it is going to be a real quick running inside someplace to grab something real quick, um, I can certainly see where we're leaving a mask behind. If you're not high risk, is okay. Um, but if you're going to be spending extended periods of time indoors uh, without a lot of social distancing, um, even if you're fully vaccinated and boosted, uh, this this virus is around, and you know, in all probability, if you're otherwise healthy it's going to be a very mild illness for you if you get a breakthrough infection but to the extent that it upsets your day-to-day you have to stay off of work you kids have to stay home from school and things like that if you want to keep enjoying what's out there and and keep as safe as possible you really should be wearing a mask if you're going to be in close proximity to others indoors right now in these in these moderate risk areas
0: any other precautions we should be taking like should, should we be traveling right now so if you
1: look, you know, the the maps are, are readily posted and updated as to where the hot spots are. And if it's going to be a, a car ride taken to a, an area that is not, you know, high risk, I don't see too much of an issue. And if it's going to be hopping on a plane, as we know, Um, We we no longer have required masking in public transit, but uh, I personally would not travel at this time without a mask uh, in place, including all those close exposures you have in an airport and then, you know, potentially being next to somebody on an airplane that is contagious as well. As a reminder, if you're going to be planning some travel and you're concerned that those around you are not going to be masked, if you want to protect yourself, you really need to be in a N95 or KN95 mask that's well-fitting, and that's going to be the best protection for you.
0: Do you have any advice for families listening who've got kids under five right now?
1: Oh, we're going to be hearing soon. We don't know what we're going to be hearing, but um, we're looking at first week of June for the FDA to be making some sense of announcement regarding their intentions of allowing or not allowing vaccines in those under age five. My best recommendation for those under age five right now is the weather's getting nice. Enjoy time outside, running around, playing. Um, it is going to be a challenge you know, with indoor daycare and preschool settings um, at this time, uh, we're going to continue to see cases. And it's really hard to take those under fives and have them be good mask wearers, especially in a mask that's going to best protect them. So absolutely, every day you're sending your kids off and running that risk of potential exposures. Again, in all probability, illnesses in kids are generally mild, but it's that, you know, unknown of is it going to be today that he tests positive it sort of feels like it's inevitable um, and that's what we're dealing with so hopefully we'll get some good information the first week of June uh, where we can move forward with vaccinating these last 19 million uneligible individuals
0: yeah and as we know uh, it's optional still to to wear your mask in school so it sounds like you think students should have them on as well
1: I do. I mean, uh, you know, my daughter is still wearing a mask through the end of the year. We, yeah, we mutually agreed. To, we mutually agreed to kind of um, keep that going through the end of the year. You know, as Chicago Public Schools had twice as many student cases in the last last week than they did the week before. We're, we're looking at hundreds of students out each week uh, in Chicago Public Schools with positive COVID tests. And, you know. It's it's one of those things, again, where maybe it's mild, maybe they're just home for a few days with mild symptoms, but this is that year-end fun stuff. This is, you know, the the end-of-the-year parties and end-of-the-year dances, concerts, you know, things that you really want your kids to be a part of. And if it's something as reasonable as, you know, having them wear a mask through the end of the school year uh, with you know, some relaxation of that recommendation outdoors, certainly. But, you know, the day-to-day in school to keep them safe and healthy and in their seats for the rest of the year, I think it's certainly something to think about.
0: We're seeing other states like Massachusetts, for instance, getting into high levels of COVID. Do you think that's where we're headed? Well, we have to kind
1: of see where these sub variants are moving around a little bit. Um, you know, since we had the original Omicron surge and now we've had this BA2 variant become our dominant strain, we're looking at sub variants after BA2, BA2.12.1, um, and there's even BA4 and BA5 that are being tracked in South Africa. What we're seeing in the Northwest and uh, the Northeast right now is in New York, Massachusetts, areas like that, they're seeing more of these further subvariants taking over and those are able to elude not only some of our vaccine protection but some of our omicron protection so individuals who have had omicron in december or january and hope hope that they're holding on to some decent antibodies as these later iterations of Omicron start to gain traction in the community, you're at risk of becoming reinfected. And that's why some numbers are coming up in those states as well.
0: Oh, my goodness. So so how can we curb this spread? We gotta continue doing
1: what we've know works. And you know, our vaccines do help. They help decrease the chances of getting COVID even though yes, many have breakthrough infections. When you do get a breakthrough infection as a fully vaccinated person, you're sicker, a lot shorter duration. You are shedding a lot less active virus for a shorter period of time. And that's something that is worthwhile in trying to slow the roll here. I think as community numbers come up, we need to be mindful about these activities and we need to keep our flexibility of being okay with putting the mask on when needed. It's not going to be needed everywhere all the time indefinitely, but there's going to be these scenarios. And if we're going to dig our heels in now, we're going to have another thing coming in the fall when numbers really do tick up. We have to have that flexibility just because we don't want to wear the masks. And wearing the masks is the right thing to do to protect you and others as we move through some of these, these little peaks and troughs here
0: the uh the white house actually predicts that the us is going to have 100 million new infections during the fall and the winter months of this year yeah. that's hard to fathom does illinois have what we need to to deal with another wave Oh,
1: boy, you know, it, we're constantly building this plane as we're flying it. We know how to take care of these patients in the hospital. As long as we don't overwhelm our hospital system and long as we don't, you know, have a stretch of resources, we certainly can take care of the most vulnerable who need hospitalization to the best of our ability. Um, but the sheer numbers of people that are going to be out with mild illnesses is is going to be pretty staggering. And the reason why we can look at trends and see that possibility is if we don't have good variant specific boosters by the fall, we're going to have eventual variants take hold in our communities That elude our previous, not only vaccine antibodies, but our previous recovery antibodies. So many of the cases, we don't have 100 million people left to get COVID for the first time, essentially. We're going to, yes, these are all going to be reinfections. These are going to be people on their second and third bout of COVID, um, which is something that we need to be mindful of just because you've recovered from COVID doesn't mean that you have any level of immunity that's going to be durably protective months and months after you have recovered.
0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you are just tuning in, we are talking with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Taramina about the latest COVID masking and vaccine guidance. Doctor, the FDA is limiting emergency use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for older adults. Can you tell us about that?
1: You know, it's kind of a restatement of what we, we've we sort of already known. You know, last year when we had the pause in the J&J vaccine and really had to look at these rare complications of sort of an immune-modulating blood clot. So not a typical blood clot, but a blood clot that comes about from an inappropriate immune response. We knew that Johnson & Johnson was not going to be a preferred vaccine. And as we moved through the Delta wave and into the Omicron wave, uh, the messenger RNA vaccines are far superior to Johnson & Johnson in their efficacy and their ability to generate antibodies and their ability to protect us. At this point, the only folks that should be considering Johnson & Johnson vaccine are folks that cannot have a messenger RNA vaccine for some reason, or occasionally I still have a patient or two that refuses to get a messenger RNA vaccine, and the only product they're willing to accept is the J&J, and it that's the something is better than nothing scenario. Mm. The the risk is still incredibly rare. We're looking at about three blood clots for every million doses of vaccine given. It's not a huge, huge incidence, but it is not something that I would recommend as a preferred vaccine to receive, I see. not only in the elderly, but in any of us.
0: Yeah, so for someone listening now then who wants to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you know, one and done, you would say...
1: I would say I, I would have a conversation as to why they prefer that agent if it's just the one and done or if it's just the fact that, um, you know, they have an issue with a messenger RNA vaccine and they cannot receive it. If it's for a health reason, uh, understood. And I have inappropriate patients gone ahead and recommended Johnson & Johnson. If it's someone who just simply only wants one shot, we will have conversations about the importance of being fully vaccinated and that is likely going to require booster doses. Even if you do get a and j at this point, you're recommended to get a messenger RNA booster. So it isn't really a one-and-done.
0: You know, I'm thinking of some of your earlier comments, doctor, when we were discussing masking so many folks have gotten used to just walking around barefaced lately. Do you really think it'll be possible to get them to wear masks again? When I was out this weekend, I was looking around. I don't know how or what it will take to get some of those people to, to go backwards and start wearing their mask.
1: I'm in complete agreement. It's going to be a very, very uh, big struggle if we have to go all the way backwards. The, good news, if there is some good news, is that it would require quite an extensive increase in hospitalizations and utilization of our ICU beds. And we are nowhere near that metric. Um, But it is possible. We can't be oblivious to the fact that reaching um, a metric where we have 10% to 20% of our hospital beds occupied by COVID patients again is a possibility for the future. I don't think it's a possibility for the summer, but by the fall, we may be talking about that. And hopefully those who want to continue to live alongside of this virus as we have to will do the right thing. And that's going to include staying up to date on all eligible vaccines and being flexible about putting that mask back on, Mm -hmm. sort of whether you like it or not.
0: How much worse do you think things will have to get for, for masks to be made mandatory?
1: We would have to go into that high-risk category, gotcha. and that's going to be uh, putting us at, you know, at, we already have the numbers, uh, you know, more than 200 cases per 100,000, so it would focus on the healthcare systems. We'd have to see, you know, more than 10% of, uh, you know, our hospitalizations being admissions for COVID and looking at bed and ICU capacity and seeing a very high number of, of COVID admissions to push us into that high category.
0: Here's the reality. More than 1 million people now in the U.S. have have died from from COVID. Can you talk, doctor, about which groups have been hit the hardest?
1: You know, unfortunately, it's our seniors. And um, the majority of all COVID deaths that happened during the Omicron wave were in those age 75 and up. So you know, our our parents and grandparents who have gone ahead and received every dose of vaccine they were supposed to receive, you know, still have antibodies that aren't as robust as those who are younger and healthier. And they've ended up, you know, having some poorer outcomes. Um, I do have patients in the hospital right now that are very sick um, with COVID and they are of that age. And that's where we need to continue to protect those we care about. You know, if you're not going to be one to want to put that mask on in those close indoor spaces going shopping or going to a mall or going to a show please put it on when you go to see grandma um you know at at least let's do the best we can to protect our most vulnerable people which is going to be our elderly our immune suppressed and our kids under age five who don't have any protection aside from possibly some natural antibodies that are going to wane over time as well
0: do you think that um People have just become numb now to, to COVID, as more deaths have come from this. Uh,
1: they absolutely have. It's it's almost as though we're not uh, speaking about uh, these death milestones as much as we did when we hit that hundred thousand or that mm-hmm. five hundred thousand. It's just sort of come as this acceptance of the reality, and uh, unfortunately, many many people. Don't know a single person who has lost their lives to this. But for those who have, it hits home very personally. And it's a a very troubling thing to be nonchalant about the reality that even though the vast majority of people survive this and have, you know, no ill effects, we have patients that die of COVID and they still are. Um, And we want to do the best we can to make that number go down.
0: That is Dr. Mia Termina at Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much, doctor. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.